Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 will be beginning in verse 13 today. We have a contrast here in what we'll be looking at today. At the beginning of chapter 18, Jesus put a child in the midst of the crowd and he said that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you had to become like a little child. And here we have another uh, instance of children. You have people who are bringing their children to Jesus And the disciples are trying to shoo them away. And so Jesus stops them. He says, no, no, no. Let the little children come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. On the other hand, we have children who are coming to Jesus, and Jesus wants them to come to him. And on the other hand, we have a rich man. A rich man who comes to Jesus and says, what good work must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then you've got to do this. What a contrast we see between the children and this rich young man. Because Jesus has already said, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you've got to become like a little child. This man, this rich man, trusted in his riches. And he wasn't going to give all of that up, as we'll see here in the text, to follow Jesus. That's what he trusted in. He didn't have the trust of a, of a little child, the kind of trust that Jesus demands from us. Let's go ahead and look at our text, beginning in verse 13. Then children were brought to him that they might lay his that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, "Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for such belong to the kingdom of heaven." And he laid his hands on them and went away. And behold, a man came up to him saying, "Teacher, What good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I've kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor. Uh, And you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, For he had great possessions. 
And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands or for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We pray that you would penetrate our hearts, Lord, that we would have soft hearts willing to do what you command. Father, we pray that you give me strength and grace. Give me grace as I preach your word, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. We kind of have two stories here. I didn't want to spend a whole sermon on three verses that is exactly the same concept that we saw at the beginning of chapter 18. But they fit together pretty well because it does show quite a contrast between the two characters. Here we see Jesus, it says, The children were brought to him that he may lay hands on them and pray. People had heard about Jesus. They maybe they had heard about the beginning of chapter nine, whenever he or chapter eighteen, whenever he put the child in their midst. But they had heard about Jesus. They knew he was this great teacher. They knew that he did these great miracles, and they were bringing these children to Jesus because they wanted him to bless them, wanted him to lay hands on them, and to pray. The disciples, for whatever reason, they thought that was getting in Jesus' way. Maybe they thought that Jesus was in a hurry and he needed to get to Jerusalem. Maybe they just thought that, oh, these children are insignificant. Jesus doesn't have time for them. But Jesus didn't treat them with the same response that the disciples did. While the disciples rebuked the people for bringing these children, Jesus said, let them come. Let them come. He says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for such belong, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. Now, some have looked at this text and found in it a justification for infant baptism, which I find quite absurd. Um, Some have looked at this and and said, well, of course, Jesus said, let the little children come, so 
bring them on in, let's baptize them and make them part of the church. But Jesus doesn't say anything about baptizing them. And the, 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 the people were not bringing them there so that Jesus would baptize them. He's bringing them they're bringing them there just to be blessed, to have their hand, his hands laid out on them and to pray. So those who find that kind of teaching within these verses are really stretching things. I think we can maybe agree on that. But what does it mean? It means that we ought to, just like Jesus, welcome children. We ought to welcome children into the church. We don't have very many right now here. And sometimes we have a few that come. We don't really have a nursery or anything to keep the children. You know what? I think that's just fine. We all come together in one place, and if we hear crying, let's rejoice in that. Let's rejoice. Because it's a whole lot better to hear a little bit of crying than to have no children at all present. It's a whole lot better to have a little bit of rustling in the seats and a little bit of nervousness and energy that is uh, maybe a little bit distracting to us adults than for us not to have any children present at all. As, As a church, we need to be welcoming to children. We need... To say, yes, these children need to hear the same gospel that we need to hear. We need to welcome them and not see them as a, something to get in the way. And Jesus says, do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? He's not saying that all children. Well, he's, what he's saying is we have to become like such. We have to become like children in order to be in the kingdom of heaven. To such belong the kingdom of heaven. We, everybody in heaven, is going to be like a little child. In order to get there, we have to make ourselves like children. And that's not really something we can make ourselves do ourselves. Only God can do that. He humbles us. He makes us into little children so that we can trust Him and depend upon Him and not in ourselves. Uh, The natural tendency is for us to try to be in control of our own lives. Try to manage everything ourselves. But for a child, they don't have any control of everything. We humbly just depend upon God for everything. Now let's transition to this rich young man. Behold, a a man came to him saying, Teacher, what what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Well, he recognized something was special about Jesus. He came to him and called him teacher. He was coming to him with respect. But yet, even in his question, he reveals something that was wrong. He says, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? We are not saved by our good deeds. 
We can't have eternal life by becoming, by turning over a new leaf or doing any kind of special works. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again. It's by the new birth that we can enter the kingdom of heaven, not by doing some good deed. So, this rich young man had it wrong from the very question. Well, Jesus says to this rich young man, why do you ask me about what is good? It's kind of puzzling. Why, why did Jesus say something like that? Why do you ask me about what is good? He says, there is only one who is good. Of course, he's speaking of God. Maybe Jesus was saying, you're on the right track. I'm that one. I'm the one who is good, who's come here among you. So Jesus says to him, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. This is, uh, as Christians, we look at this and we think this is kind of strange. Paul tells us we, we, we can't be saved by keeping the commandments. What is, what is Jesus doing here? Telling this man he's got to keep the commandments? The commandments are there to show us that we can't keep them. And I think what Jesus was doing maybe was very compassionate. He's saying, if you want to be in the kingdom, you've got to keep the commandments so that that guy would realize, I can't do that. And maybe he would be humbled. But instead, when Jesus says, keep the commandments, he starts maybe trying to justify himself. He says, which ones? <laughs> He's trying to find an easy route. Okay, I know there's lots of different commandments. Which one do I need to keep to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, Jesus said, well, you've heard them. Let's think about the Ten Commandments. And Jesus starts naming them. He says, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. He named here commandments 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. And then he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is something we need to know about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are divided into two parts. One through four are about our relationship with God. We have, you shall have no other gods before me. Um, no graven images. We have, don't take the Lord's name in vain. We have honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. All of those have to do with our relationship between man and God. And all the ones that Jesus named to this rich young man were on the other plane. The plane between man and man. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not commit adultery. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Jesus was at another time asked, what, are, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And the second one is like it to it. It's love your neighbor as yourself. Here, Jesus points to commandments that show us how we love our neighbor as ourselves. And this rich man, instead of being devastated by realizing that he can't keep the law, he has such a prideful answer. Look at what he says. Oh, my, my page flipped. <laughs> he says, All these I have kept. I'm a good guy. Look at me. I've kept all the commandments. That's not how we're saved. By saying, I'm a good person. I, 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 can, I can do it all. I can keep all the commandments. But he says, what do I still lack? He's thinking, well, maybe there's a trick to this. You know, I, I've kept all these commandments. Certainly, there has to be something, some kind of special work. Something more than just keeping the commandments that I've got to do. Because I've already kept all the commandments. Which he hasn't. Jesus answers him, if you would be perfect, if you want to be complete, if you want to do everything that you need to do in order to be saved, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus tells him, go and sell everything you possess and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Why would Jesus say that? That is not very seeker friendly. <laughs> when people come to, to, to this church and we tell them, how to be saved. We tell them the gospel. We don't, we, we, we don't tell them, all right, in order to become a member of this church, you've got to sell everything you have. And No, we don't do that. Why is Jesus doing that? Jesus was doing that because it was putting his finger on the very issue at hand. He put his finger on the God that that man had the idol that that man had. All of those commandments that Jesus was naming, they were about how man relates with man. And you know what? That man was still pretty, pretty um, optimistic, over-optimistic about his ability to keep the law because certainly he had not loved his neighbor as himself. But the ones that Jesus hadn't named were the ones about having no other gods before him. And that man, that rich man, had another god before God. He had an idol before God. Ron read from Jeremiah chapter 10 about idols. About how a man might cut down a tree and out of this piece of wood he would shape it and fashion it into an idol and then cover it with gold and silver and bow down to this idol and God just mocks that there in Jeremiah and he says that's just like a scarecrow 
It has no power to really protect. It has no power to be able to speak. You can't communicate with this piece of wood. But oh, the the God who made heavens and the earth, that is the true God. And this, this young man, this rich young man, while he was probably a Jew who was faithful, he probably you know, read the Torah, he probably attended the te- temple, and all of those things, he still had a God above God. And it was his money. That's why Jesus pointed this out. Jesus doesn't come to us and say to everyone, you've got to sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. But he does tell every single one of us, Jesus has to be our ultimate priority. That we have to give everything else up. That we have to lose ourselves. That we have to take up our crosses and follow him. Nothing can be higher than him. We cannot put anything as a higher priority than Jesus. And if Jesus asks us to give everything away, then we do it. If Jesus asks us to get rid of things in our home, then we do it. If Jesus asks us to to end an immoral relationship, then we do it. All of those things. Jesus, He is the priority. And whatever Jesus asks us to do, and we say... Now, Jesus, can we negotiate this? That's our God. If Jesus asks us to do something, and we say, no, Jesus, not that, then then that's our God. The young man, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He had great possessions. He was not willing to give up. That was his God. When Jesus pinpoints something in our lives, when the Holy Spirit convicts us and says, you're holding on to this and it's keeping you from me, what will we do? Will we do what He asks? Or will we say, I'm sorry, Jesus. I can't do that. So the man goes away sorrowful. As he goes away, Jesus talks to his disciples. He reflects on what they had just seen this young man do. He says, truly, I tell you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. This probably shook up their assumptions. In the Jewish culture, they assumed that if you were rich, then that was because of God's blessing. If you were rich, then that meant God must be blessing you because you were on His good side. And here Jesus was turning that upside down, saying it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now some have tried to maybe kind of give 
an explanation for this that makes it possible. Maybe you've heard it before about how there's this place in the wall around Jerusalem that's just really, really tight and really, really small. And if you get this camel, they, they, they call it the eye of a needle. And if you get the camel down on his knees, then he can kind of squeeze through, but with some difficulty. But that's not what Jesus was probably talking about. Because what Jesus was saying was actually impossible. God, he says, with man, it is impossible. Well, maybe it's possible that a camel could go through this little place in the wall. But Jesus here says it's impossible. It's impossible with man. But with God, all things are possible. You know what that thing that Jesus pinpoints in our lives and says you need to get rid of that? Maybe we feel like, I just can't. I just can't. You're right. You can't on your own. But Jesus can With God, all things are possible. Maybe you want to, but you feel like you can't. Pray and ask Jesus, help me. Help me to do what I can't do on my own. Then, Peter then replies. He says, See, we have left everything and followed you. We've left everything and followed you. What did Jesus ask that young man to do? Give away everything and follow him. Peter then says, we've done that. What is there for us? We've left everything to follow you, just like that young man wouldn't. What is there for us? And here's Jesus' reply. To his disciples, to his 12 disciples, he says, What uh, truly I say to you, in the new world, that is, when he comes again, when he restores everything, when he comes and sets everything right, in his second coming, when he comes again, when there's a new heavens and a new earth, he says, at that time, at the end, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, he's talking about his 12 disciples. You also will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. They're going to have a special place, Jesus says. They will be there ruling with him. And you know what Jesus says, or the, the, the Bible tells us that we will rule with him one day. We will reign with him. There will, he says that, uh, Paul says that, don't you know that you're going to be judging the angels? We, as believers, will one day have authority in the new heavens and the new earth whenever Jesus comes and sets all things right. And these 12 disciples, they're going to judge all of the 12 tribes of Israel. But here Jesus says, and everyone, not just the 12 disciples, but everyone, who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold. Now what's he talking about there? To follow Jesus, he's not saying we have to abandon our families. 
Because even Paul says that a man who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever. No, he's saying when following Jesus means that they reject us. When following, when it means that if we follow Jesus, our parents won't have anything to do with us. Our, our brother won't have anything to do with us because we follow Jesus. Our sister, our children won't have anything to do with us because we follow Jesus. He's promising that if we leave all those things, we lose our job, we lose our property, or we lose all those things for the sake of following Jesus, He's promising us a hundred times as much in return. He says, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. You know what we get whenever we leave behind those who have abandoned us because we follow Jesus? We get a new family. We get a new family in the church. That's why whenever we greet one another, we might say, hello, brother. Hello, sister. We gain a new family when we join in the church. And Jesus says, but many who, will be, who are first will be last, and the last will be first. In that day, when He returns again, it's not going to look like it does now. The big and the powerful in the world's eyes will be humble. And the small and the weak in the world's eyes, the ones who have nothing except for Jesus, will be great on that day. So we'll conclude with this. We've got to be like children. We've got to look, we've got to Humble ourselves like children and look to Him. Not trusting in our own ability. We're we're not trusting in our own ability to keep the law. We can't save ourselves by following all the right rules. No, we humble ourselves. We say, Jesus can where I can't. We take our crown off of our own head. We no longer we relinquish the right to run our own lives. And we lay it at Jesus' feet. We get off of our own throne and we let him sit on the throne of our lives. He is king. He is Lord. And whatever we have belongs to him. All of our gifts, all of our talents, every resource we have belongs to Him and He can do with it what He wishes. He demands a lot. But in return, we have life eternal. We have a new family. We have a restored creation where there is no longer any sadness, no longer any sickness, no longer any death. And it's all by trusting that Jesus paid it all. He paid for our sins on the cross. Thank 
listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.